0: Welcome to The Link Church. We pray this week's message inspires you to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus.
1: Who's glad to be in church? Yeah, of course you're glad to be in church. Where else would you want to be? Are you guys ready to get out of here and do something? Hey, are you? Come on, we love to to send the young people. We don't just pray... um, Pastor Heinrich actually taught us this. He was like, we've got to send them, right? Because they're going into the mission field, and we're going to bless them as they go. So you guys can jump to your feet. right? We're going to pray for you guys as you head out. Uh, Who's teaching? Is it Lizette tonight? Lizette, block your ears real quick for us. Just teach her a lesson, kids. Go for it. Amen. So we just prayed blessing over you as well, Lizette. So Father, we just want to lift up this mighty army to you. And as we send them this evening, we send them to receive and to learn and to grow and to do something with their lives that would matter all the days that they are on this planet, that they would make a difference. We ask that you would bless them. We ask that you would bless Lizette, every Kids Church member, and that they would go from strength to strength. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen. Amen. Get out of here. Go and have some fun. Yes, sir, they shouted. Amen. Come on now. In a moment, we're going to have Pastor Heinrich from Bridges for Peace. He's going to come and share. Um, you get a night off. You don't have to listen to me. How good is that? Hey, that's why you were so glad to be in church. Um, you know, as we, um, I, w- I was just thinking, I-, I took a drive to Margaret River yesterday uh, in my van. I had to test it on the open road. Amen. And uh what a machine. What an absolute machine. Come on, where's Shane at? He knows. Yeah, come on, Shane, you know. Um, we've got matching vans um because we're awesome. And you know, as I was driving back, I I was just thinking about church and, and we we're talking about the year ahead and just planning and, and just not even so much planning, just you know, when you're just dreaming out loud, you're just thinking out loud, you're just like blurting stuff out. And as I was thinking, I just thought to myself, man, one thing I'm super glad about is that we're a church that we don't have to feel like we nurse people for money. We don't have to feel like we push and push and push. And the truth of the matter is, it's because you're faithful. And, and I, just, I was just thanking God even this morning that, that he would do, continue to do something in our lives where we would want to be generous, not feel like we're pushed to be generous. I feel like we have to be wound up or, you know, and and so I want to encourage you. For many of you, you give. um, Don't underestimate the power of what you give. Don't underestimate it. And for some of you, you feel like, man, I don't give and I'm not sure how to give. And I'm in a financial position where perhaps uh, right now it seems almost impossible. I want you to know that I pray for you every week. And I'm believing God for exponential growth in your life. I'm believing God that there's going to be more than more than enough. That you will always be in a position where you can bless people. And that doesn't mean only here, but where you'd be in a position where you can bless people everywhere you go. Amen. And so, you know, this evening, um, you know, certainly when it comes to things like the pantry, I want to, I wanna encourage you to, to give to the pantry. You know, we we collect that we collect that food and it goes to the crew. And they work alongside people who are in a situation right now, because I don't believe it's their final place, but I do think it's where they are right now. They need help. They need that support. And it's something that we can do. And truth be told, they don't know we're doing it, which I love even more, because it means that they have no idea where where this blessing is coming from. And it means they can't go, oh, it's because of the link. It just means that they can go, God, thank you. And that means more to me than somebody just cheering us on with the branding side of things. Amen? And so when you when you see that bin out the back and you, you bring food each week and a meal, um, know that you are really making a difference in that area, which is far greater than what you can always know. There is, when somebody goes in, I mean, you think about what it takes to walk in and say, I need, a ha- I need food. That's massive. That would be so difficult to do, right? And we think like, I don't have pride. You, you think you don't have pride until you have to walk in and say those words and you realize just how, how difficult that must be. And I love that they get to walk in and know that there is something there for them, right? So what you're giving there is making a massive difference, amen? Um, and then as a church, you know, we support, uh, I don't support every organization, but we do support Bridges for Peace. And, and as a church, you may think to yourself, I don't necessarily give toward that. Yeah, you don't, but we do collectively as a church, we do. And this year, we'll be doing even more. And the year after, we're going to do more again. Amen. And we're going to do something that's significant. So as, as Heinrich comes up and he's, he's preaching this evening and sharing, uh, this is the organization that we back. This is the organization that we believe right now is, is something that we need to partner with. And there may be more in the future, but certainly where we are right now, I think what they're doing there is tremendous. Amen. And so I want to thank you for your generosity. I want to pray for you real quick, and then Heinrich's going to come up and preach. Amen? You ready? Come on, bow your heads real quick. I want you to think about what it is you're giving, and I want to to challenge you in this area. Never just give. Always apply faith. Never get comfortable giving. Never get used to it. Never just let it be something you do because you just have to, or it's something that just comes out of your account. Always take a moment and say, Lord, as I give, I'm trusting you with my finance. And I'm being obedient to what I believe you've called me to do. So, Lord, I pray for every person. Those that give, those that want to give and feel like they can't right now, those that are considering giving. I just pray that every single person in this room, those joining online, that their finances would increase that they would see your hand upon their finance, that they would see favor in their life, and that they would glorify you. Not man, not church, not branding, but you. They would see what you're doing in and through this church and what you're doing in and through their life and in and through their finance. Bless them, I pray. Protect them. As we go into December, as we start buying gifts for people, as we start spending that little bit more, I pray that there is just a provision that makes no sense, that they would see you all over it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And if you're in agreement, you can say amen, amen, amen.
2: Thanks, Pastor. Hi, church. I am excited to to be here tonight and share a bit about Israel. This is, some, this is really urgent times for Israel, for us to stand with Israel, to pray for Israel. And that's what I'm going to start with, with some prayer, before we get into the message. We've got a, uh, an incredible woman here tonight, uh, Lorraine uh, She's She's a good friend of ours. She's a a member of the Jewish community who worships at Temple David, one of the synagogues here in in Perth. So, Lorraine, I would like to ask you to come forward and do a prayer for the IDF, the, the Israel Defense Force. Thank you very much.
3: Firstly, thank you to the Link Church for giving me this honor and to Heinrich. The prayer for the IDF... He who blessed our forefathers, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rachel, and Leah, may he bless the fighters of the Israel defense forces who stand guard over our land and the cities of our God, from the border of Lebanon to the desert of Egypt, and from the great sea unto the approach of the Ariva, on the land, in the air, and on the sea." May the Almighty cause the enemies who rise up against us to be struck down before them. May the Holy One, blessed is he, preserve and rescue our fighters from every trouble and distress and from every plague and illness, and may he send blessing and success to their every endeavor. May he lead our enemies under our soldiers' sway And may he grant them salvation and crown them with victory. And may there be fulfilled for them the verse. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you to battle your enemies for you to save you. And let us all say amen. Amen. And a little aside, I've got family right at this moment in the IDF. So thank
2: you. Thank you very much, Lorraine. I'm going to ask Kathleen to come up and say a prayer for the hostages. We all know that this terrible situation with 240 hostages, uh, we don't know where they are or how they're doing.
0: Father God, you said, Yeshua HaMashiach, that we should pray and say, Our Father, our Father God that is in heaven, We are so dependent on you, Father God, for these 244 hostages, at least 30 children. We are desperate. You say that if we call upon your name in times of threat, in times of urgency, that you will help us out, that you will save these hostages. We know that they will be saved and that they are safe in your hand. We know that you have given the angels guard over them. And that you, your angels themselves will go and minister to them. That you will take food, water, everything that they need, oxygen, um, comfort. You say that we should comfort our people and that we know that you will send those angels to comfort them. We pray, Lord, that through your mighty, mighty word, that you will speak through the mouths of these people that are being kept hostage, that they will be able to speak the oracles of God in extremely difficult times, that they will call on your name and that they will know that they are heard, that you will manifest yourself through dreams and visions into these Hamas soldiers' minds and bodies, that they will see you, that they will hear you, that the glory of God will come upon them and that they will fall in fear and that these people who are hostages will walk in love and in peace I pray, Father God, that you will just manifest your glory in that situation. We know that the situation is in your hands and that you've got it. We know that you are in control. We are humbled and we can just bow our knee and say, Father God, for every one of those hostages, every child, every young woman, every older woman, every man, every older man, we pray for every single person that those people, those 30 children, Lord, that you will make sure that they will be delivered. We call on your name, Lord. We pray for every single person. And we know that when we pray this, we pray it in total, total dependence on you. So, Father God, thank you so much for your protection and that you will do a miracle, and that your name will be glorified around the world. When this victory comes for Israel, this true victory of our mass being destroyed, that every one of those hostages will be delivered, and that mighty testimonies will come from that to glorify
2: the God of Israel. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Yeah, I don't think we realize how tough uh, things are in Israel it's, it has, this war has disrupted everybody's life in Israel. A lot of people can't run their businesses. They can't go to work. They've been called up to fight. Uh, it, it is a very difficult situation for all of them. Um, so if you would like to support people in Israel, Bridges for Peace is, is a platform where you, through which you can do that. You can just go to online um, bridgesforpeace.com. They've got a, a crisis fund that, that you can don- donate towards. And I will really appreciate it if you do that. All right. Um, now, we, we all know that what happened on 7 October. I mean, Hamas broke through the fences and multiple places uh, through Gaza fence and attacked the southern um, part of Israel. They, they killed 1,400 people, took 240 hostages, And they just devastated that place. It is a really critical situation. And all of a sudden, the whole world was with them. They saw all the pictures, the horrifying pictures, and the whole world was with Israel and supported their right to defend themselves. But now we're six weeks into the war, and the attitude of a lot of people have changed. Um, Very often they're criticizing Israel now. We hear people um, protesting, in favor of of Hamas. And the world has just gone crazy. So why is this happening? Social media has a big role to play. And, you know, through social media, the the scary bit of that is it gives minority groups a big platform to speak and a loud voice. It gives people the opportunity to to spread um, deceiving lies. And... This is what we're up against. You know, so this verse up on the screen, 1 John 4 verse 1, is something we should really take, take to, to heart. Loved ones, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are, they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into this world. We need to test everything. And the best way to do it is to, to test it uh, by look at the Word of God. We, we can't listen to, to social media. Even the news, even events that happen cannot override the Word of God. We've got to stand on the Word of God. That's the only truth that's going to ever stand. Because when God spoke the Word into existence, He is the one who sees the big picture. We can look at, at the news and we can look at social media and we get glimpses of events happening, but we don't see the big picture. And if you make up your mind based on a little glimpse in time, you're going to be wrong, for sure. So this verse, Matthew 10, verse 22, is very important in this time. And it says, "...and you will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end shall be saved." You know, I was wondering about this verse when I read it, and I said, why would we be hated because of God's name? And then I realized one of the, the ways God is known by is the name Elohai Israel, which means God of Israel. Now, those who hate Israel will automatically hate you if you worship the God of Israel. So that's, that's one of the things we're up against. Um, and another thing is, Yeshua, Jesus in Matthew 10 said that I did not come to bring peace, but the sword. And a lot of people um, don't realize it. But if you stand for the truth, you will have enemies. It is unfortunate, but that's going to happen. And and Jesus in that verse, he said, I did not come to bring peace, but the sword. And there's going to be a time when friends and family will turn on you. And you will lose friends and family. But then he says, if, if you love friends and family more than me, you are not worthy of me. And that's, that is, those are serious words. And we've got to stand for God, stand for His Word. But then there's something we need to remember. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the, the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need to remember those friends and family that turn on us, they are not our real enemy. I wouldn't even see them as my enemy. The Arabs are not our enemy. The the Muslims are not our enemy. There's something much darker and evil behind them. And that's what we're going to fight against. Our our fight is not against flesh. Now, this slide shows us the Gaza envelope. This is the area around the Gaza Strip. And those arrows indicate um, you know, Hamas going and infiltrating southern Israel. And all those kibbutzim around Gaza, they, they are people that so believed in peace. It is incredible. They are p- probably the most peace-loving people in the whole of Israel. They were the ones who believed most that peace with the Palestinians are possible. And they allowed 17,000 people from Gaza every week to come through with special permits and work on the kibbutz with them in their houses everywhere. Unfortunately, those Palestinians were the very ones that went back to Hamas and told Hamas exactly. They drew up maps of every kibbutz. They showed them where every soft spot was, which houses have safe rooms. They knew everything. And their efforts to to have peace with them, unfortunately, led to devastation, which is very, very sad. So, which side do we take? This is a a question. Some people say, uh, we don't take sides. And by the way, I'm going to go through a lot of uh, arguments and questions that people might throw at you uh, regarding this war, that uh, you might uh, come across, and, and you might have to answer those questions. So, do we do we take sides? I, I've I've heard Christians say, "I don't take sides" because, you know, you can't say which one's right and which one's wrong. But is this even a relevant question? Because Romans 11:17 says, but if so, some of the branches were broken off, this is Rabbi Shahul, um, Paul, the apostle, that wrote this, and you, although a wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others. Now, remember, the olive tree is Israel. The others that he's talking about are the Jewish people. And then he said, and now share in the nourishing sh- root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches, which are the Jews. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. Yep. And the root is Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. So, the best way to interpret Scripture is always with Scripture. Don't, don't try to do it any other way. Um, I wouldn't... I would be reluctant even to go to commentaries. It's sometimes handy. But it's always Scripture needs to interpret Scripture. So this, the Bible works like this. You've got um, a structure to the Bible. The foundation of the Scriptures are the five books of Moses, the Torah. On top of that, you've got the prophets. And on top of that, you've got the writings. The writings are things like Psalms, uh, Proverbs, Job, Ruth, all those books. Also, I would also add the Gospels, the writings of the Apostles on top of that as well. So when we interpret Scripture, they should all align. Uh, when, you, when a ship sail into a harbor, you've got three markers. And you've got to make sure all, those, all three markers need to line up so that you can sail Straight in and in a safe way. If, you, if, it don't, if they don't line up, uh, you, of course, and you could run onto rocks. Same with the scripture. So, we're going to do that. Now, we've read here uh, Romans 11. That's from the writings. Let's go to the prophets. So, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Um, 56 verse 3. Do not let a son of a foreigner who has joined himself to Adonai say, Adonai will surely exclude me from his people. Now, if we look at that grafted in branch, that little branch that's grafted into the bigger branch, that little branch has now been joined to the other branch, to the olive tree. Now, if we join to Adonai, we shouldn't say we are separate from the people of God, the Jewish people, we are not. We are actually joined with them. This is what Isaiah says. Now, let's go to the, the um, Torah, the books of Moses. Genesis 12, verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And talking about the Jewish people, um, if, if we dare to dishonor them, God says he will curse those who do that. And in you, talking about the lineage of Abram and Isaac, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the sages of old were looking at this verse and says, how is this possible that all the Gentiles can be blessed through Abram? And they looked at those, the last word blessed, the Hebrew word for that is nivrech, nivrechu. And there's a. It has the same root word as another word which is related, called uh, that is mavrich, and that means to be grafted in. And this is most likely where where Paul got his teaching for from, uh, for Romans eleven seventeen. So that all lines up. Now, if we go to another concept and this is who is right and who is wrong by the way if I can just comment on the previous one is that the question isn't really relevant. shall we take sides we are part of a side right there's no choosing a side right so the next question is who is right and who is wrong right the Palestinians or the or Israel God should be the judge of that um we don't, we don't qualify to judge. So Joel 3, this is the prophet, um, says, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means God will judge. Uh, there I will put them on trial for what they, have, what they did to my inheritance, my people, Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. So he's going to judge them based on two things. First is how they treated his people, Israel. And it's clear there. It's about Israel. And then the second one is how they divided the land. Very interesting. So let's go to the writings. And I'll just tell you about Matthew 25, verse 34 to 40. Jesus tells a story about... The king coming at the end of times, sitting on his throne and gathering all the nations around him. And then he's going to separate them like a a shepherd separate his flock. And he's going to put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. And then he's going to say to the ones on his right hand, you blessed of God, come and inherit the kingdom of God, which has been prepared for you. Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And I was in jail, and you come and visit me. And then they're going to ask, but when did we do all these things? And the king will answer them, if you did it to the least of these, my brethren. Now, you can imagine Jesus sitting there, pointing at those around him. He's sitting there in Israel. He's surrounded by Jews, right? So he says, if, he, if you did it to the least of these, my brethren. The, the, word, the Greek word for brethren there is adelphos, which means blood brother from the same mother. So he's talking about Jews. And that lines up with the prophet Joel 3 verse 2. where It says, my people Israel. And that can be um, lined up with Genesis 12 verse 3 that says, I will bless those who bless Israel. Your, your descendants, and bless Israel, and curse those who curse Israel. So the word curse Israel is more like dishonor them. It's not really like somebody swears at them. Um, right, so the second thing that God is going to judge us by is how we divide His land. So Genesis 15 verse 18 Says, on that day, Adonai cut a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your seed from the river of Egypt to the great river Eu- Euphrates River. So let's have a look at the map to show you what the promised land looked like that he spoke to when he spoke to Abram. That is the promised land. It's, it's quite big. We can all go and live there. Much bigger than the current Israel. So, what happened? Um, let's go back into history. And we're going to go back to 1914. Um, over here, the Ottoman Empire was in charge of the current Israel. And in October 1917, the Australian Light Horse Brigade um, helped to liberate Israel. First, this was the Light Horse Brigade. This is in Sheva. So the Light Horse Brigade charged into Beersheba. They liberated Beersheba. And after that, the Ottoman Empire pretty much crumbled. And they were able to liberate the whole Israel. So there I am in Beersheba, very proud to be Australian. And and (laughs) it was a a great moment there. So after this First World War, um, the whole Palestine area, by the way, Palestine is not the real name. It's obviously Israel. Why is it called Palestine? Because the Romans, in the year 132, after the Great Revolt, they discharged all the Israelis from Jerusalem, and, and they called they changed the name of Jerusalem to Alia Capitolina, and they changed the name of, of Israel to Philistia, named after the Philistines, which were their enemies, by the way, the Philistines don't exist anymore, so the, Palestines, the Palestinians are not Philistines, right? Just to get that clear. They are Arabs. So, um, yeah, so the British, that area was under British mandate, British control. So when they said that area, they're going to put that aside as a Jew, Jewish homeland. And the enemy came and said, Divide divide the land. And they did. So they drew a line along the river and said, let's give the biggest part to the Arabs and the smallest part to the Jews. Surely the Arabs should be happy now. But no, they they were not happy. And the enemy came and said, divide my land. And again, they... um, Divided from there, they, they, they came up with this plan. This is the um, UN Partition Plan of 1947. So that was just the year before the British mandate would be running out. So they, they said the orange part should be the, the um, Jewish state and the, the yellow bit should be the Palestinian state just to keep everybody happy. Well, the Palestinians immediately rejected the plan and said, no way. There's no way they're going to live with Jews in the same area. They don't want to live in next to a Jewish state. It's not on. They wanted all of it or nothing. And the, the, Jews were, the Jews were actually happy with that. They actually agreed to it. Although it's a bad deal for them, they couldn't even get Jerusalem, which is in the middle of the Palestinian area there. So this never came to fruition. Now, you've probably seen this on on fake news or, you know, or social media somewhere, but this is really fake news. They come up with this idea of, they said, the green bit is, that was the original Palestine. That's where all the Palestinians lived. And then in 1947, the UN um, and the Jews, they always add the Jews, but the Jews had nothing to do with that plan. So they said the Jews pushed them into the green area and then... After the War of Independence, the Jews pushed them further into a smaller green area, and then currently there's even less space. So you can see how they are systematically committing genocide there, right? So let's look at the numbers of Palestinians, and you tell me if that is genocide. Over there, in 1947, actually, actually 48, just before the War of Independence, there were 660,000 Palestinians living in that whole bit of Israel and the the all the Arabs around them said to the Arabs in Israel to get out of there they said to them we're gonna we're gonna attack Israel the minute they declare an independent state um, we don't want the Jewish state there we're gonna annihilate them we're gonna push them into the sea Uh, get out of there for your own safety so a lot of them did and just before the war broke out the war of independence in 1948 there were only 156,000 palestinians left which is 10,000 more than what uh, the population of rockingham so not a lot and then they said the population dwindled actually today over there the population of palestinians is 5.3 million so they are flourishing in Israel, and they 've got a good deal, and they know it. Uh, the Arabs in Israel live much better than any Arab state around, around Israel. So this is what really happened in 1948. The minute they declared a state of independence, uh, Israel state, uh, Jewish state, five nations attack Israel. You had Egypt was a big instigator. They attacked them from the south. Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and then also Iraq. And you can see how they pushed them in almost to the sea. They were limited to that stretch just along the coast. And then they started to fight back. And over nine months, they were able to push them back and take control over all that land except um, Judea and Samaria. The world called that West Bank. That is really the biblical Judea and Samaria. And then Gaza. Judea and Samaria was, was under the control of Jordan then. Um, so you can see, they, it's still a very strategic spot. That is very mountainous. That's high ground. And then Gaza was under Egyptian control. So then, not long after that, well, a few years later, 1967... Um, Egypt and the other countries decided, let's give it another go. This time, three nations came across, uh, came against them. They were preparing the war. They were uh, Israel was greatly outnumbered. It was ridiculous. They, they pretty much knew it was going to be like a Holocaust. This is going to be devastating. Um, it looked very, very bad for them, and Israel did a preemptive strike, and they won this war in six days. And doubled their territory in the process. You see, according to international law, if, if an enemy attack you and you drive the enemy back and you take possession of land and that land is, is, is vital for your own security, you've got the right to, to claim that land as yours. So they took possession of the Sinai Peninsula. They took possession of Judea and Samaria as well as the Golden Heights at the top. So... After that, they didn't stop. The wars, they were constantly attacking them across the border. But in 73, they surprised Israel big time. This was a serious war. Israel lost 2,600 people, which was a devastating blow to Israel. But even this war, they won in 19 days. Then this is the current state of affairs. We've got that. That's Judea and Samaria. That green line is um, what the world called the West Bank line or the, the, the partition line. And there are three parts to, to that. So um, there's the, the dark brown is A. It's divided in A, B, and C. So A is under the Palestinian Authority control. The, the other, the light brown, is part B. That's under both Israel and Palestinian Authority control. And then the blue bit is all Israel, Israel control. So, why can't, this is another question we get, why, why can't a two-state solution work? I mean, it's, it's simple, just give them both land and they'll all be happy. It doesn't work like that. They've already offered the Palestinians a two-state solution five times, and five times they've rejected it. It's why they still come with the same plan it's, and we know what the answer is going to be. They're going to reject it again. There is, they don't want to live next to a, a Jewish state. The other reason, from Israel's point of view, why, can't, why isn't, is it not a good idea for them? This is the, the range of short-term rockets, that red bit. The yellow is the uh, sort of medium-range rockets range. And you can see, if they occupy that uh, area of Samaria and Judea, they can pretty much shoot rockets anywhere in Israel. It will make Israel indefensible. Not a good idea at all. I mean, I just want to show you this one because this is the um, Muslim land, the, the red bit. And Israel is sort of smack bang in the middle. And it must be like a thorn in the flesh for a lot of Arabs, um, a lot of Muslims. Actually, those are not all Arabs, right? This is the Muslim land. This is the um, Arab's around them, still a large area. So it's not really about that they need land as such. But the, the thing is, because the Ottoman Empire occupied that area and they were Muslim, the Muslims believe if, you f- if they occupy a land, that land must always be Muslim land. So they cannot accept Israel living there. It's, it doesn't work for them. Now I want to show you this uh, photo because... Very often we hear, but, you know, the war is against Hamas and the poor innocent civilians are suffering and uh, Israel is killing civilians and, you know, um, we feel so sorry for them. And we should, but I just want to show you this photo. This photo is at Kafar Azar. Uh, It's a kibbutz three kilometers away from the Gaza border on the northeastern side of Gaza. If you look at this, this is a photo taken on 7 October by one of the Palestinian photographers. How many Hamas soldiers do you see breaking through the fence, entering the kibbutz there? Not one. Those are all innocent civilians partaking in. And they they went in there with the goal to murder, steal, rape, and destroy. They killed 70 people in that kibbutz. They took how many, 17 hostages there, and they burned everything they could. See, Hamas, the, Hamas soldiers went first, they shot the, the, the guards, and then these guys came through and just destroyed everything. Um, yeah, why do they do that? Why would innocent civilians, what we think could be innocent people, do things like that? We, we need to understand where they come from. They, they don't grow up like we do. From kindergarten, they are, are taught that to die for Allah and Palestine is the greatest goal in, in life. They, they even, you know, the kids in kindergarten play this martyr game where the little girls carry this doll on a little stretcher and um, she, the doll is dead. And they praise this doll because the, the doll is, is the martyr and the martyr is Allah's beloved. And that is how they brainwash. And they know if they die for the sake of Palestine, they go straight to heaven. That's what they taught. And 80 of their family members go to heaven as well. So they become their family's uh, savior. Yeah. So let's look at the enemies of Israel. Who's really behind all this? So the PA is the Palestinian Authority um, that is the, the governing body of, of Palestine. Um, so at the moment, um, in Judea and Samaria, that area, we've got Fatah as the ruling party. They, they also they, Their uh, military wing is called Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade. So you can see the Mata idea coming through there as well. And uh, a lot of people believe Fatah is more moderate than Hamas. They are probably not as cruel as Hamas, but they still want to kill Jews, and they do. And then we've got smaller groups there, Nablus Brigade, Qassam Brigade, Popular Front, Lion's then Al-Quds Brigade. And then we've got Hamas in Gaza, who was in control of Gaza. Uh, Hezbollah in Lebanon, and we've got the Houthis in Yemen, and then we've got Iran. So then we've got some other enemies, and this is very sad We've got Muslims who believe, um, some Muslims believe that the teachings of, of Muhammad that said they should go and kill the Jews and the infidels. And then we've got Christians, and this is even worse, evangelical Christians that go out and try to evangelize Jews. And because they don't get a welcoming uh, and, uh, you know, a great welcoming there, they, they go and you see videos on YouTube uh, of how they blame the Jews, of how stubborn they are. They don't want to accept the gospel, and that is just anti-Semitic. It's just, and, and the, the thing is, people who are anti-Semitic use those videos to prove their point. So they don't know what they're doing. Then there's um, Christians that believe in replacement theology, and that is really something evil. Um, it has creeped into the church since the, The fathers of the church started everything and came up with theological ideas that Israel is replaced by the church, and it's all about the church now. Israel is no longer important to God. Um, Absolutely nonsense. And then sometimes they just say, well, we've got nothing to do with Israel. We're separate from Israel, and that's not true either. We've seen how we grafted in. We are part of them. And then um, we've got Christians who run around with conspiracy theories. There's one that that goes that Netanyahu um, allowed the attack of Hamas in order for him to go and attack Hamas. You know, it's it's just absurd. And we should not spread those lies. This is what God says we should do, and this is a command of the of our Father in heaven to us, to everyone. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says the Lord. And that's what we need to do. So that's the, the flag of uh, Palestine. And that is the Palestinian map, according to the Palestinians. Um, they claim all of Israel for them. Uh, and, and when they, they chant that thing, uh, you know, from the river to the sea, Israel, uh, or Palestine will be free. They don't call it Israel. They never call it Israel. They mean that that whole land, from the north to the south, from the river to the sea, from the Jordan to the Mediterranean, will be free of Jews so they can live there and claim it all for them. So it is not an innocent little, um, what do you call it, Chant. chant, yeah. Who knows whose flag that is? That is... Uh, Hamas, actually. So um, these are the leaders of Hamas. They yeah, they look quite happy. But especially the guy in the middle, because he, he lives in Qatar in his palace. <laughs> and then Khaled Mashal he is also in Qatar. Qatar supports Hamas 100%. Uh, that's why I don't want to fly Qatar ever again. Uh, Yaya Sinva, he's in Gaza. He's worth about uh, two to three million US dollars. Uh, Ishmael Hanenia and Khaled Michelle, they are both worth uh, about four to five billion dollars. To put it in perspective, uh, President Trump is only worth 2.5 billion. So these guys are so, so rich. And I just wanna show you, this is the son of Ishmael Hanenia in his, ha- in his home probably uh, in Qatar they are thick with money um, and where do they get their money from from australia from america from england australia's giving uh, 32 million dollars in the next financial in this financial year to them um england's giving 38 million dollars america's giving 600 million to uh, to the palestinians and then you've got the un and The European Union and all the other countries as well—they just pouring money into them. Um, No matter, no wonder they can do what they can do and build tunnels going eighty meters down. It's just crazy. So, and they don't care about the poor Palestinians who's suffering, who's living under the bread line. They've said uh, the other um, day—well, it's a while back, a few weeks ago—with an interview. Uh, one of the leaders of, of Hamas said, "Well, the, the Gazans are not our problem. That's that's the responsibility of the UN. We're not taking care of them." That flag is Hezbollah. In Hezbollah's up north in Lebanon. Um, oh, that's the uh, the Hamas. That's that flag. Uh, that scribble means Islamic resistance movement. And these are the leaders of Hezbollah. Um, Hassan Nasrallah and Sheikh Naim Qasem. And then um, we've got the Houthis in Yemen. And that's what, that's their flag. It's just the writing there and that's what it means. Allah's great death to America, death to Israel, a curse upon the Jews, victory to Islam. And this is their leader, Abdul Malik al-Houthi. And that's where um, Yemen is, uh, south of Saudi Arabia. And... These guys have killed 400,000 of their own people. Nobody cared about that. There was no rallies, nothing. The world didn't speak up because the Jews were not involved. Um, these guys are shooting ballistic missiles that they get from ir- Iran. Ballistic missiles are very potent. They shoot them from, from the ground up into space and down to their target. This is Iran. And there's their leaders. But we know behind these leaders, and they are probably the top leaders and instigators. And behind this, we've got the dark forces, the evil forces in, in the air. So what's going to happen to the, to the enemies of Israel? Um This verse says, Moreover, in that day I will make Jerusalem a massive stone for all the people. All who try to lift it will be cut to pieces. Nevertheless, all the nations of the earth will be gathered together against her. And look at this one. Now this is the plague with which Adonai will strike all the people that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are standing on their feet. Their eyes will rot in their socket and their tongue will will rot in their mouths. It will happen in that day that a great panic from Adonai will be among them. Interesting enough, even the Quran declares that Israel belongs to to the Jews. But then... uh, Muhammad teaches them to kill the Jews. So I guess once you've killed them, you can probably take that land. Now, um, I'm just going to go to the next one. Um, I'm going to, yeah, this is an important one. A lot of people say, yeah, but the Jews don't even live according to God's word. They don't even, they're not even righteous. But look at what the word of God says here. He says, it is not by your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart that you are going to possess their land. Rather, because of the wickedness of these nations, Adonai, your God is driving them out from before you. And in order to keep the word of Adonai that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So thank God, you know, he doesn't look at us and say, well, you can't have my promises because you're not righteous. And that, that's how we treat the... Uh, the Jewish nation as well. He doesn't give them the promise because they're so good, because they're so great, because they're so righteous, because they do everything right. No. It's because of his love for them and his faithfulness to keep his covenant with them. And therefore, we can know for sure that that our God will also be faithful to us. Yeah, that's just the Quran there. The Islamic Foundation of the UK actually, the declared that that's true you know the Palestine uh, what they call Palestine belongs to the Jews um, war crimes we hear that a lot they say oh Israel's committing all these war crimes the reason no, nobody can do anything to Israel because of all these so-called war crimes is that nothing can be proved these were the war crimes that Hamas did and guess what the, the United Nations did nothing about this now, this is really a simplification of what's happening at the moment. We've got God, on the one hand, giving three promises to Israel. He promised them to be a great nation. He will bless them and make them a great nation. He, he promised them a, a land, Israel. And He promised them that they will be a blessing to all the nations of the world. Now, if Israel take hold of that and receive those blessings, those promises, that will prove that God is faithful. So if the enemy can come in and destroy Israel, they can prove that God is not faithful. But that's not going to happen because our God is always faithful. Amen. Now, to take hold of your promise, Israel had to go through three phases. I'm simplifying things again, I know. But these are important things that that we got to um, look at because there's three phases that we also have to go through to, to take and receive and to claim our promises that God's giving us. So the first one is this one. Um, then he brought them out from there, Deuteronomy 6, so that he might bring, them, bring us in to give us the land that he swore to our fathers. You see, to, for, us, for, the, for the Jewish nation to go in, they first had to come out. Of the land of bondage and slavery, same with us, we have to come out of the of a land of bondage. We can't drag our chains and shackles into the promised land. We got to get rid of everything that holds us back from serving God. Look at this verse here. Um, Revelation says, "Come out of her, my people, lest you you participate in lest you participate in her sins and receive." her plagues. Isaiah 52 says, leave, leave, get out of there. And and we should take these verses for ourselves as well. And Israel, it still applies to Israel. Leave, leave, get out of there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out of her midst. Purify yourself. You who carry the vessel of Adonai. And then the, the second phase is... Um, This one, when Adonai, your God, brings you into the land, you are entering to possess and drive out many nations before you, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. So we got to make sure that although we come out of a land of bondage, out of a place of bondage, when we go into the next place, we should make sure there's nothing there that's going to hinder us from serving God. And... um, This is the reason why. I'm just going to read that highlighted area. For he will, he's talking about not to mix with um, foreign nations, and he says, for he will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. That is the danger that God's one God wants to to prevent us from going into. Um, we should not la- allow anything to to take us away from Him and follow other gods and follow other things. And then the third phase is Nehemiah 1 verse 8 to 9. If you return to me and obey my mitzvot or commandments. Now this is really important. This is the key. Returning to God and obeying Him. This is how we get hold of our promises. This is how Israel get hold of their promised land. Um, And he says, and do them then even if your... Your dispersed people, he's talking to Israel here, are as at the end of the heavens. That means even if, if the Jews were dispersed to the end of the heavens, to the furthest galaxy, God says, I will gather them from there. If they return to me, I will go and get them and bring them back to the place where I have chosen for my name to dwell. And the same with you. If you feel you are so far from God that there is, there's almost no hope. You know, as long as you return to God and, and focus on obeying Him, He will go out of His way to go and get you, no matter where you are. Now, is there hope for Israel? Jeremiah 24 verse 7 says, Then I will give them a heart to know me. And this is a beautiful promise to Israel. And then I will give them a heart to know me, for I am Adonai, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. For they will return to me with their whole heart. That's a promise from God. You know, the, the, the Jewish nation has returned to, to the land. God says he promised that they will also return to him. And with that, I'm going to conclude and say we, pray, we worship a faithful God, an all-powerful God who keeps his promises to a thousand generations, to those who love him and obey him. And we, because God's faithful to Israel, we can can know that we serve a God that's going to be faithful to us as well. Because we are part of Israel. Amen.
0: Thanks for being with us. We hope this message leaves you stirred to a place of action. If you made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, need more resources or want to take your next step, linkthechurch.org has everything you need. Until next time, from everyone at The Link Church, God bless.